Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. It's the Laugh Podcast. Over there is Mr. Two Frames. Howdy. <laughs> I'm the L-Train, and we're your hosts. And we have two movies for you this uh, week. This is Laugh number 88. 88. We have uh, we watched two we we watched two movies on demand uh, in our I guess I watched one of these on a computer and the other one I watched on my big screen so we had uh, two different viewing experiences actually going into the movies and we have very different uh, points of view about both movies I think we're in agreement on them for the most part we've had we've talked a little bit about them uh, yes already. we're in agreement but we have two different points of view. <laughs> We have the same point of view about two different movies. I don't know. We like one of them, and we don't like the other one. Is that fair to say? Sure. The first one... All right. The two movies are Knock Knock and The Final Girls. Going into it, which of the two movies did you think you would like? Both. No, which do you think you would like more? Final, which were, The Final Girls. Really? Yeah. All right. Based on what? Based on what you'd seen? My heard, love of read, 80 or? slasher films. Okay. Uh... Because you were, you really like Keanu Reeves. I, I do, I, and I think that should be a whole genre: the Keanu Reeves home invasion. God, you're into the genres, aren't you? <laughs> Subgenres. The Keanu Reeves home invasion. Yeah, he has a dozen. No, he he has two so far. I feel you need three. That constitutes a genre. Sub subgenre. <laughs> okay. Because I think you mentioned Knock Knock. I heard you talking about that a lot more than The Final Girls. But the takeaway of both movies was decidedly different, and I'm you seem more excited about Knock Knock as well over the Final Girls, and I didn't think there was much to discuss with you about the Final Girls. You mean after we watched them both? No, leading up to it, and then during the pre-show, I found out that there's some <laughs> slasher films that you don't know or you haven't watched yet, and might not be watching now because of what an idiot I am. I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up with the type of films that they were sending up in the movie. And I like I, I like the Final Girls a lot better than the first movie that we're going to talk about. But you were looking forward to Knock Knock more? I, don't, I wasn't really looking forward to either one of them. So my level of enthusiasm for both of these movies was pretty low. I, I kind of got what I expected with Knock Knock. And then Final Girls, I was pleasantly surprised. The more that I think about it, the more I like that movie. And I don't know where it is on my list of top movies of the year, but it's definitely hovering around in that area of the movies released in 2015. So, with that being said, Mm -hmm. Knock Knock. Knock Knock is a thriller horror movie by director Eli Roth. So, now that's a genre. That constitutes a genre All right. as an auteur. Because I think you kind of know what you're going to get when you hear Eli Ross directing a movie. Going so, up until this film, I think this film is a departure okay. from his other horror films, uh, Cabin Fever and Hostel 1 and 2. Now, didn't you tell me this is rated PG or PG-13? No, no, no. Final Girls is PG-13. This oh, okay. is rated R. Okay, okay. Now, surprisingly, this movie doesn't seem to me... I mean, the, the subject matter is pretty gruesome but I, I don't remember anything that would make it stick out as an r-rated movie like other eli roth movies with the torture and all that stuff 
Yeah. Well, this has a little bit of that in that. No, yeah, there, there's not nearly as much graphic violence. I, I think this is mainly R for language and some sexuality. Oh, look at that beautiful kid. <laughs> Dad, are you sure you can't come to the beach with us? Dad, he needs to stay here and do some work. Bye, guys. I'm sorry to bother you, sir, but my phone got wet and she left hers at her house. Oh, I'm sorry. But you want, you can come in and use my phone. Yeah. You're a lifesaver. Not everyone would let strangers into their houses. You don't look that dangerous. I'm not so sure. Could we maybe throw our clothes in your dryer just for, like, 10 minutes? Sure. How long have you and your wife been together? 14 years. Being with one person your whole life is going against nature. Well, when you love someone. Come on, Evan. Buckle your seatbelts. We may be encountering some turbulence. Guys, I have your clothes. They're pretty much dry. <laughs> Surprise! Oh, stop, stop, stop. I can't do this. I'm married. Yes, you can. Left. No, no, no. You made you I'm not hungry. We can forget this habit. I made a mistake. Go. I'm calling the police. This is the IMDb plot summary. Two nubile stranded women knock on the door of a married architect. He says, who's there? And they say, lettuce. Lettuce who? Lettuce in. It's raining out here. The two girls... <laughs> Are played by Anna de Aravas and Lorenzo Izzo, and the architect is Keanu Reeves. Uh, they play Genesis and Bell. I didn't like them at all. So you're not eager to go watch the other Eli Roth film, Green Inferno, which stars his wife, Lorenzo Izzo? No. You were, though. I'll catch up with it when it no. comes out on um, Blu-ray. Um. This is a movie of, like, it fits into the home invasion genre. Subgenre. All right. Even well, the subgenre is the Keanu Reeves home invasion subgenre. You have multiple subgenres. Okay. I love the home invasion subgenre. I think home invasion acts as its own genre. <laughs> this one does not. This is probably the worst home invasion genre movie that I've seen. I can't remember seeing a worse movie in that genre or subgenre. I can't even remember a worse Keanu Reeves movie than this movie. Hardball? Didn't see it. Oh. I'm very discriminating in my Johnny shot. Mnemonic. Didn't see it. Yeah. So, but what were your thoughts on Knock Knock? Um, I, I was looking forward to it because it was a home invasion film, and there have been some interesting home invasion films, and generally they have some interesting twist or uh, some just great character that is just truly evil, and you see that manifestation there on the screen. Uh, I kept waiting for this film to do something interesting, something different, something new. It felt like it had watched all the other home invasion films and taken out what made those films unique and just left us with this bland mess that never really goes anywhere. It did a little bit with subverting expectations. Like, um, who is it that says when you show a gun in the first... Anton Chekhov. Mm -hmm. Show a gun in the first act, you have to use it by the third. They are pretty... Uh, blatant about a big knife that they show in the first act and then they never come back to it. And then they hover around this dog, which is a pain in my behind because uh, I don't really like dog tension. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, there's an expectation there and they sort of subvert that a little bit. 
Um, there's also the expectation that it's going to be a decent movie, I guess. It's got Keanu Reeves in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were kind of, I was kind of looking forward to it because of that. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I think Keanu Reeves can be watchable. And I mean, right now he seems to be at the point in his career where he's made so much money. He doesn't do a film unless it's interesting. And I kept waiting to see the scene that drew him to do this film. I think there is a scene in it, a meltdown scene. Okay. Uh, it goes on for like three or four minutes, but it turns out to be about two and a half minutes too long. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the whole thing in this movie. Maybe you're right about that. This is a film that if you're a completionist for Eli Roth or Keanu Reeves or home invasion films, sure, go watch it. But it's not that great. It's not horrible, though. It's not bad. It's just mm. it's bland. It's that makes it a waste of money. This is like um, Mexican food you would get in Wisconsin. That's burnt. Like, would you send out the burnt food? Like, if you're Eli Roth. I'm not, if I'm in Wisconsin, I'm not thinking I'm getting great Mexican food. You got to be looking forward to the cheese, though. Big part of Mexican cuisine. There's no good cheese. There's no good cheese in this. You wouldn't even order the nachos there. <laughs> if you're Eli Roth. All right, so he made this in between getting, making the Green Inferno and getting the Green Inferno release. And they both came out around the same time. Or have come out around the same time. Do you do you think it's a good piece of filmmaking if you're Eli Roth? Do you look back at it and say this is something I'm proud of, or do you ignore it and hope it goes away? Uh, I don't know. I'd love to hear him talk about it. The best parts of this film, I don't think he had a huge uh, influence on. Like I think the location is great. That's an interesting house. The set was really good. Yeah, but still, it works well. Okay. I mean, whoever was working on those parts of the film, you know, a film is made by many more people than the director. Those people did a good job. The costumers are all fine. I thought for the most part, the cinematography is fine. It captures the action. Uh, there, there are some interesting cameras, uh, moves that just move through the whole house and show you the layout. And it, it felt like it lived in house. All that stuff was great. But the pacing of it d- doesn't work. There's a scene later on in the movie that's supposed to be very tenseful, you know, can Keanu Reeves get help or not? And it's over in 30 seconds, if that. There's no real suspense ever built up. And I would blame the director for that. Yeah, well, also the screenwriter, he wrote this too, didn't he? Eli Roth, he had a hand yes, in it. Yes, he had a hand in writing it. So, to me, the parts of the film that he had a big impact on, those are the parts that I felt left down, or left, let down by. Yeah. Well, then I guess, it's like, why, okay, then why... I guess there you kind of have to put it out after having done it. You yeah, can't sit on it like Jerry Lewis in his day the clown died movies. Here's the other thing. It was a cheap film. If he thought, hey, I have this idea. I have a little bit of time. I can make this movie for, I don't know, $5 million. It's a cheap film to make. But don't you begin to undermine your own reputation? Why? Why? It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's not a good movie. It's not suspenseful, like you said. There's nothing... There's the the characters' behaviors are completely unmotivated and ridiculous. There's there's really nothing to recommend it. Like, who do you recommend this movie to? I, I don't know, but I, I want to go back to him just making the film. I'm going to make an argument, and in about five minutes, I'm going to completely undercut it. All right. All right. If he can make this film for $5 million in, I don't know, two, three months of work, I'd rather see a director like him do 
20 of these than one hundred million dollar bomb okay you know if you can put out cheap movies and you can do them quick and you just want to try something go ahead and do it i don't think that that's a bad idea and if you're saying i'm going to take a bunch of swings i'm going to miss the ball occasionally but i'm also going to knock it out of the park you know as much as i love eli roth's buddy quentin tarantino it also pisses me off they only does a film every three or four years you know, I wish he would hurry up and make a couple more. And even if a couple aren't great, that's fine. I just want to get the production up. See, I kind of appreciate the fact that he's not willing to put out an inferior product. And he goes through a process where he knows it's going to take him three to four years to make a decent movie. Why put out something that's that some people are going to be dissatisfied with? Have you ever been truly dissatisfied with a Quentin Tarantino movie? Like, have you ever gone in and had and with an expectation that, ah, oh, this is going to be a good movie? Because I, I kind of did with Christopher Nolan, but I don't think I've ever been disappointed with Quentin Tarantino. Not one time. Uh, initially, I was disappointed with the Grindhouse double feature. I have come to enjoy that a lot more. His portion of it was good. a lot better. And if you just released that movie, that part of the movie, what was it called? Uh, his set, Death Proof. Death Proof. If you released that by itself, it would have made for a much better viewing experience. Because everything that was in that movie is uh, like practical stunt work. So it's an homage to that. And plus Kurt Russell. Okay. And But the fact that it was the second half of that movie and the first half was so bad, that made that, made that movie worse. It's like a, I, I, a very good dessert after a really crappy meal. I, I kind of like the first one too. <sighs> All right. Um, so now to completely undercut myself. <laughs> All right, yeah. Supposedly, Eli Roth's next movie will be budgeted at $150 million. It's called Meg. Yeah. A deep-sea submersible pilot revisits his past fears in the the Mirana Trench and accidentally unleashes the 70-foot ancestor of the Great White Shark believed to be extinct. The Great White White Shark. You said shark. Yeah, I know. Someone got caught in my mouth. Uh, The Great... Uh, ancestor of the great white shark thought to be extinct 150 150 million dollar <laughs> i know i'm doing horrible today 150 million dollar shark attack movie directed by eli roth i think it will be a ginormous mess i think it will be glorious to go watch so i'm very excited that he's getting a huge budget to make a film <laughs> i thought when you when you said that i thought shut up meg and I just had this vision of the of that character from the Family Guy coming out of the Marianas Trench. Is that what you said? It's not Marianas Trench. It's so, Mariana. Oh, it's the Sister so, Trench. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's double I trenches. I, I should have read my copy a it little closer at first because I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound all right. That's what it says, copied straight from IMDb. You need to start taking your ginkgo balboa pills. No, I need to stop taking all the medicine I've been on for my foot. Yeah, blame that. I will. <laughs> All right, so Knock Knock doesn't really work for us. No. Um, you would recommend, what, The Purge if people want to watch Home Invasion? I like that Straw Dogs. Straw Dogs. I like the remake of that. I know it didn't do very well in the box office, but I, I thought it was a, a decent movie. I never saw the first one in 1971 with uh, Dustin Hoffman, right. but the remake stars James Marsden and Kate Bosworth. Okay. So anyway, yeah, I would throw that's in a good one. Funny Games with Naomi Watts and Tim Roth. Also, Michael Pitt plays possibly one of the most evil characters I've ever seen on screen. It's a good cast. And there's other stuff I would talk about, but it would get into spoilers to even mention what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You should probably avoid spoiling those kinds of movies. 
even just saying in general. By those kinds of movies, I mean the movies I haven't seen. I don't know. I mean, I wonder what our listeners would think if you just gave away the ending. I can take my uh, my earphones off if you're that committed to spoiling movies for people. It's not the ending. I will say I've only seen the American version of Funny Games, which is done by the same director who he did the Australian version. It's almost a shot for shot remake. He used Australia, different actors and actresses? Different actors and okay. actresses. I think the, different Austra- accents. the Australian one came out in like 97. This one came out in like 07. Wow. I wonder which one's better. I don't know. What do they, what do they say? I think most people prefer the American one, but a lot of people are also turned off because there is so much evil and it's such a look into the depth of evil. Ooh, I like that. Man's soul. That's, that's right in my line. I know. I feel like that's about the only line I can describe stuff with. I'm going to be it. Is this like the kid that writes out his essay in pencil and then takes it and copies it over in ink the exact essay and doesn't make any changes? Pretty much. Huh. So, funny games. Funny games. Watch that instead. And I recommend Straw Dogs. All but right. I don't know where you would find it. I didn't check to see if it was streaming. Is funny game streaming anywhere? I don't know. I haven't checked. All right. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with going out. Do we need to spoil Knock Knock before we get into our next movie? Is there anything you want to spoil about? I think I kind of almost did. I, I completely subverted my own. Uh, when I'm talking about the subversion of uh, expectations, I subverted my my own personal point of view regarding spoilers. Because I suggested that there was something that people would look for. And then that makes them know that this yeah. isn't going to happen. Like, if I say you subvert the expectation of having a knife oh in the bedroom. Gosh. Not only is it a rat hole, it's a convoluted rat hole. We're going down. I'm going through an existential crisis because I'm... <laughs> I'm averse to spoilers. <laughs> oh, I, I do want to know, and I think I asked you this, which of the two girls did you like least? Because, okay, there's supposed to be, there is a, a part in the movie where he's led to believe something about their ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think one of them is 26, Ana de Armas. Mm-hmm. The other one is 25 years old. Um, Ana de Armas plays Belle. She's going to be in Hands of Stone, the movie about uh, Roberto Duran mm-hmm. that has uh, it's got Robert De Niro in it. Looking forward to reviewing Ooh, that. That's going to be a good movie. I think. I hope. Uh, Lorenzo is a Lorenzo Izzo's Genesis, and uh, she's you said Eli Ross' wife now. Mm-hmm. Which did you hate shortly more? after, Green or which Inferno. did you dislike or uh, like least? Because I hated one of them. I didn't really like either of them, but I probably liked Anna better. Ooh, I hated her. I disliked her so badly. There was nothing to recommend her, and she was just so much like the kids I see in school. (laughs) They're like that. Self-entitled. I I liked her accent. I also thought, though, casting-wise, it was a little weird because she was very similar in voice and in look to Keanu Reeves' wife in the film. Okay. And I thought... "Eh." I saw that. Yeah, I didn't know why they were going for that. Yeah, there were a lot of decisions they made with that that annoyed me. Oh, well. Yeah, I had a strong reaction against those girls, so that might be the only thing to recommend the movie. Because I did ask you, who would you recommend the movie to? And it would be the people that don't like girls that act like that. (laughs) Do you have an answer to that? No, I mean, uh, this just isn't a film I would recommend. I mean, I wouldn't say, whatever you do, stay away from this, but... I mean, I wouldn't seek it out. I would, unless you wanted to destroy your opinion of Eli Roth. I mean, if people are asking me for horror movies, this isn't super far down the list. There are a lot of other really, really bad horror films I've watched that are recent, you know, that have come out recently, and they're just not worth the time, I feel. Okay. So. 
I've been very discriminating about my choices of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Do you think The Final Girls works as a horror movie? Yes. Really? All right. So this is the uh, horror comedy um, of 2015. This is our next movie. We're not going to spoil Knock Knock for you. Maybe we'll spoil The Final Girls. We'll see if we get into it. This movie is about a uh, girl, Max, who has been recently orphaned. She goes to see a screening of a B-horror movie that her mother made 20 years earlier. And then through some convolution of, uh, I'm not really sure what happens, they find themselves in the world of the horror movie itself. And then they have to apply their knowledge of horror tropes to survive. This is uh, directed by Todd Strauss-Schulson, who did uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle and eat something on Christmas Eve or something. Yeah, very Harold and Kumar Christmas. And uh, Valibation is a short on Vimeo I saw probably two and a half years ago. And I I remembered it when I saw it in his IMDb list. Hmm. But I don't recommend it, especially for students. I would recommend it for you because it has some interesting camera work that works at the same type of thing, finds itself in the, the final girl. So it's interesting to see as sort of a draft. Mm-hmm. But the other movie I haven't seen. This is um, the Harold and Kumar thing. I, I haven't seen that movie. Uh, screenplay was by Joshua John Miller. And I think there's one other person involved with the screenplay. Joshua John Miller acted in the movie The River's Edge, which is a tie-in to uh, our Keanu Reeves movie, earlier because he was also on the river's edge starring a bunch of people i've never really even heard of although you said that i saw him in some movies uh, malkin yeah. ackerman is the mother she plays nancy and it's malin 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 ackerman what did i say malin i don't know malin you yeah, say malin, she, I say malin. she's most famously from the watchmen uh she was also in the heartbreak kid with um ben stiller right she looks a lot like um cameron diaz like Cameron Diaz's younger sister, I would say. That's how I would describe her. All right, that's fair. I guess I can see that in her. She's in the movie Couples Retreat also. I, yeah. I remember seeing her in that after I saw this. She's in that Adam Devines from uh, Workaholics where he plays Adam. Yeah, he's pretty funny. You've also got Thomas Middleditch uh, who plays Richard on Silicon Valley. I liked him a lot. So he plays Duncan in this movie. Yeah, so there are a bunch of, you know, Bit players, uh, a lot of people from apparently like CW TV shows. Well, Adam, in this movie, he plays Kurt. Adam yeah, he I. plays. Sorry. Adam plays Kurt. But um, one of the female leads is from like the Vampire Diaries from the CW. So, you know. Nina it, Dobrev. Yeah, it, it's got an interesting cast, mostly youngish actors who are still trying to hit it big in Hollywood, which works because this is a send up of 80 slasher films where you're hiring young actors and you know there are a lot of famous actors who were in bad horror movies early on in their mm-hmm. careers i really like the way these guys interact with each other it looked to me like they were having a lot of fun they they um they unlike the tedium of knock knock where it looked to me like they were just kind of like stressed out it's a different type of movie obviously but even with the horror stuff they just kind of looked like they were having fun movies should be fun oh yeah i mean they're a camp Filming a film. It's fun. I, I don't know if, like, I would have recognized that in uh, Friday the 13th when I saw it or um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I wouldn't have recognized those kids running around having fun. <clears throat> Probably would have resembled more to me something like Knock Knock. 
But this movie, even while I was watching that, just like the interactions that they had between each other and the writing I thought was pretty decent. The, uh, some inner, you know, some jokes, some meta. Oh yeah. The whole thing's meta. I mean, when they're watching the movie that they're about to go in camp blood and the audience is laughing at the bad delivery of cheesy lines or campy lines. And then they enter into a slasher film set at a camp that is campy itself. Yeah. yeah. So we're in a movie, but this is a horror movie and Billy Murphy's really after all of us. Why do I have to wear all this stuff again? Because you're scripted to do a striptease at the slumber party, and when you take your top off, Billy comes running. But why does he hate my boobs? Because they're not big. So, wait, is New Wave real? Yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm not real. You're only real in the movie. So, yeah, you're real here. Oh, cool. Guys, we just want to get home. But, but, okay, but you said Paula was the only one who could kill him, and... She just died. Exactly. Which is why we need to nominate a new final girl. And I'm willing to be it. What? Well, you're not a virgin. I am too a virgin. I technically am that. Whatever, what does it matter? Because it just does, Vicky. You have to be a virgin in this movie in order to kill Billy, okay? And the only true blue virgin here is Max. I'm not the only virgin. You're a virgin. No, I'm not anymore. <sighs> Last summer, with that guy Jerry, he had like the weird mustache and he like winked, remember? Isn't he autistic? Yeah, yeah, he is. But he's also very romantic. The killer in the film is named Billy Murphy. Right. I mean, that's just fun. <laughs> I mean, clearly, you know, it's supposed to be close to Bill Mur- Murray. That's the way I read it. Like, oh, okay. He was just trying I... to be a little funny there. All <laughs> oh, right, I didn't get that. But... Um... Malin Ackerman's character is named Nancy. Nancy was Freddie or uh, Jason's mother's name. J- Nancy Voorhees was the oh okay female killer. So there are all these little references that I was seeing all throughout the movie. If you like movies like the Friday the Thirteenth series, Sleepaway Camp, Cheerleader Camp, never saw that Sleepaway Camp. Is any good? Yeah, you should watch it. Cheerleader Camp's not bad either with Cheer- Betsy Russell. <laughs> Nipsey Russell. Betsy Russell. Oh, okay. Betsy Russell, uh, she was famous. Uh, she was the second lead female in the movie Private School. Okay. Didn't see that either. Really? Yeah, try not to spoil it for me, will you? Yeah, uh, stars Kevin Klein's wife. Um, can't remember her name. Girl from Fast Times Rich My High. Phoebe, Phoebe Cates. Cates. Yeah. yeah. Phoebe, I like that Phoebe, Phoebe Cates. Yeah. If you like Phoebe Cates, go watch Private School. All right. It's also got Betsy Russell. This movie has uh, the the lead actress in it, the one that is the protagonist that motivates much of the action is uh, Tassia Farmiga. She's related to Vera Farmiga. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that the girl's name from The Departed? I know that there was a Farmiga in The Departed, and apparently this girl has like seven brothers and sisters. Could be. Yeah, and this is her younger sister. I think she's 10 years uh, younger than her, or a certain number of years younger than her. I thought she was really good. I thought that she she was strong. I, I I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the acting, and I, I like that it is an homage to eighties horror films, and they did a lot of stuff practically. There are some there's some good fire stunt work in the film. And, yeah, and you, know, you mentioned that before I watched that part of the movie, and I'm just wondering. I to me, it looked like some of that was CGI. Some occasionally, 
But, I mean, there was also a fair amount where I feel like they set a guy on fire. And it's nice that your lead villain wears a mask. Because it makes it a whole lot easier to set him on fire because you almost always put the guy in a mask to protect his face. Yeah, they have this big ridiculous mask. And they use a lot of the same uh, traps and tropes from other horror movies to try to capture the guy. Yeah. Apparently he only attacks during sexually tense portions of the movie. So they have... Uh, Maybe we should save some of this for spoilers. Do you think we should spoil this movie some? Sure, we can get into the spoilage. All right. But this is what the director said about the movie, describing um, his film in terms of its being a genre. He says, "It's, It's Pleasantville in a trashy horror movie from the 80s with a little Back to the Future thrown in and a spoonful of Terms of Endearment with a dash of Scream and two dollops of Purple Rose of Cairo for good measure. I think the Purple Rose of Cairo might have been a reference to the cinematography because that was ex- exceptional cinematography. It was very, they paid a lot of attention to the color palette. The lighting was very intense and there was a lot of neat little camera movements that happened, especially during chase sequences or during some of those choreographed sequences in the, uh, I don't know, the last two thirds of the movie where you, I mean, they. It would have been very difficult for them to do the camera um, without incorporating some special effects. But I mean, the long tracking shots I'm talking about, and then following flying objects and things of that nature. Plus, it's backlit in such a way, or lit. There's a, there's a whole lot of um, uh, intense lighting at certain points. They they use black and white. Yeah, there's uh, mood lighting. Um, I don't think this had a big budget, but. I think they made a great use of the money that they did have for this film. I wonder what it was compared to Knock Knock. You think they had more than Knock Knock? I could see them having less than Knock Knock. Hmm. Just because they didn't have to I mean, pay for the actors? Yeah, and, and some of the special effects aren't that great. There's a car crash right at the beginning of the film. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty bad, pretty brutal. Um, there was also some fire when they're in the movie theater. Well, you mean brutal in terms of it's pulling off an yeah. effective car crash? Brutal. It just it didn't work. It just it felt cartoony. Um, okay. The car didn't seem to have any real weight. All right, I didn't get that. But again, I was watching it haphazardly. Yeah, yeah I mean, it just it felt like a cartoon crash. Yeah, you can see cartoon elements in it. Also, there's there's little parts, bits and pieces where it seems cartoony. Yeah. But, but that's a function of the genre. Yeah. To, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, but overall, I, I thought it's an inventive script. I do have a soft spot in my heart for this subgenre of the uh, funny, smart horror film, along with, you know, Scream, uh, Cabin in the Woods, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Right, I didn't see the last one, but Cabin in the Woods was a pretty good movie yeah. we saw together in the movie theater. No? No, no I saw this with a one-armed man. <laughs> okay. Didn't know that until the end of the film. <laughs> um, Wait, you went with a guy that only had one no, arm? No, he was the only other guy in the theater, and then we were both walking out. I held the door for him, and he reached for the door with his only arm. Huh. There were 15 fingers in that movie yeah. that day. Fun times in Gloucester. Uh, Did you wave at him? No. No. No, I held up both hands. Can you do this? <laughs> wow. Nice. No, didn't do that. The heart of evil. Jeez Louise, man. But I do think these movies are better if you've watched more horror movies going into them. I, I know when we saw Cabin in the Woods and my students asked me if I liked it and if I'd recommend it, I was like, yeah, I'd recommend it. And they went and saw it and they didn't like it, but they haven't watched Nightmare on Elm Street or the Halloween films, Friday the 13th, Hellraiser, any of those type of things, Poltergeist. 
Yeah, I, this movie draws on all those uh, that understanding too. You have to have a baseline understanding of the movie mm-hmm. in order to truly enjoy it. But I do think that this is a horror film. That was one of your early questions to me. I think that you have to categorize this as a horror film if you're going to categorize Three Amigos as a Western. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Touche. So, I mean, it, it is a parody or a satire. I'm not sure how you would divide that, but... Well, I guess my question about it it's being a horror f- movie was, was there any real tension or did it make you feel... I mean, obviously, you were never scared, so... No. There's a big difference between watching Nightmare on Elm Street when you're, whatever, 16 or 17 or however old I was when I saw it, uh, and... uh this movie at the age of 50. So, I mean, plus I'm not really wired to feel tension and the method that I used to watch it was kind of messed up. So, well, and you apparently also don't care about teenagers being in danger as we found from when you reviewed it follows. Yeah, I don't, but they, you didn't, you really don't feel any danger in this at all. I saw this movie as an allegory (laughs) of Of the, It's a, it's about the danger of having a parent as a friend <laughs> instead of a parent as a parent and and crossing that line and what happens what happens to you when you become uh when you become that close to somebody as a friendship it's hard for you to move on and you get trapped in this circular uh <laughs> identity of yourself sure i'm i'm absolutely certain that's what the director was going for <laughs> that's how i saw it was she believable as the girl's mom? Was or was she believable as the girl's friend? I kind of saw her more as a friend than a mother. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. But I can see that that relationship existing in the real world. I also like that we're at this point where we can revisit the '80s and you know have these glorious send-ups of the '80s. All you right. know, people are nostalgic in some ways for, it, and we can have. Uh, a, a remake or a reboot of classic films. Uh, a couple of years ago, they did Tron Legacy. You know, and tried to didn't recapture. that fall kind of flat. It, it did all right. It it, it made it enough where it. you could do a third film, or maybe not. Um, this is a podcast they, of all the movies I haven't seen. Sorry. What else? What else you got? Uh, other ones. Yeah, that other are send-ups of eighties. There was a Kickstarter last year for Kung Fury, and it was released as a 30-minute film back in June. I think you can still watch it free on YouTube. And it's a send-up of all those 80s action films, and there's just ridiculousness. They um, apply digital effects to the film to make it look like you were watching a VHS tape. Okay. I mean, that's the other thing. This movie almost looked too good to be a horror film. It was painted, this movie. Yeah, where watching those old beat-up Friday the 13th films is a little painful, and even when you watch the Blu-ray of them, they don't have a good work print to uh, get the film off Well, that's of. probably the prefer- the preferable method of seeing, seeing them, all co- sort of scarred up and whatever. Yeah, it gives them a certain je ne sais quoi. That's, what I, that's how I viewed... Um, I probably saw them on VHS. I probably didn't see many of these types of movies in the movie theater, although I, you know, was and even then, were they any good? I mean, a lot of these were filmed on sixteen millimeter or I wasn't Super thirty five. Paying any attention to the cinematography, I don't think. Yeah. But I mean, Super thirty five is basically sixteen millimeter film. I always remember being sort of hyper aware of like things that just looked stupid and not really giving myself over to the to the. Um, concepts like uh what was the movie with the with freddy krueger 
Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, when his at, at one part of the movie, his arms become really elongated, and it looks to me just like he's holding something in his arm, you know, like broomsticks in his <laughs> arms. And uh, and then I'm kind of taken out of the movie, like the, it's like uh, even so back that's then. That's what I want. I want long arms that extend. <laughs> no, I, I want super long. Well, arms. after I threw my back out with three different yeah, that elbow joints. That wasn't. That wasn't a, a dream of mine when I was 18. It was Freddy, in a little bit better shape. Freddy Krueger is so cool. Uh, He's got Stretch Armstrong arms. This movie to me seemed like uh, the comedy of someone like Louis C.K. Long interconnected riffs as opposed to like joke, joke, joke. This movie, like, are, you ever, have you ever heard or seen Tig Notaro? No. The tell stories it's like the the comedy builds on top of itself it's it's uh it's sort of a i don't know an examination well, of the type of movie and then it's allowing these characters to build uh on their tropes but also extend outwards away from it so yeah and, and even saying that this is a parody this isn't like the scary movie one two three four no. five any of those the jokes don't get in the way of the story. The story is able to keep advancing. The jokes are elements yeah. of the story and of the characters. Yeah, the, the plot keeps going. It doesn't stop dead in its tracks whenever the movie wants to be funny and then you know has five minutes of plot and goes back to being funny. No, the whole thing keeps a tone throughout the entire film. Are those scary movies uh, rated PG or PG-13? That I mentioned? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. Oh, P- scary, oh movie, scary, movie, blah, blah, blah. scary Movie 1 and 2 are rated R. The following three films were rated PG-13. Because I was just thinking that would be a good method for teaching illusion. Because then the kids might understand what yeah. illusion is. I, I don't know how um, well those movies have aged. Some of them, you know, were... Yeah, they're, making... very, t- they're very topical. Yeah. So. There probably will be a new one uh, coming out soon, though. But there'll all be references to meta-movies like this that are references themselves to older things. Cause this is definitely set up for a sequel. I hope it's successful. I wouldn't mind seeing these kids. again. Well, that was the other thing I love with this. E- even the way they set up the sequel references, uh, other, uh, horror movies. All right. Do we need to, are right. we in sport? Uh, yeah, let's go I didn't name, I didn't name it. I know like, I, you wanted to though. I could tell you were all over it. You're like, Oh, so let's go ahead and spoil it. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. Halloween 2. <sighs> yes. All right, so... Named it. Where do you see the movie going? Oh, they got, they got they've, they have to have it at the hospital. So the whole thing is going to be them wandering through this hospital and trying to yeah, escape the hospital? it worked in Halloween 2. But will it... Uh, so Billy Murphy will still come back as a as a creature or character. Sure. All right. Now there's one. This is one of the small bits of trivia that I do know about these slasher movies from the '80s. Mike Myers is the only one that doesn't have a supernatural element, right? There's always something something explained in terms of him actually just kind of escaping at the very last minute. They kind of can explain him away, whereas they can't with these other guys. Uh I mean, I, you don't have to spoil all the... Yeah. Wait, Mike Myers is Halloween, right? Yeah. You don't have to spoil all that, because I know there are like some subversive subplots, but at least he's not uh, Freddy Krueger who appears to you in your dreams. Sure, he, he still takes an inordinate amount of damage and keeps on trucking. He's just a very strong dude. Uh, just... uh, all right, yeah, for the ones at least in the 80s. Once we hit the 90s, I all think right. that goes away, but sure. 
It's so, a basic premise. Okay, well there you go. That's that's my bit of trivia. All right, but I mean, uh, Friday the Thirteenth starts out pretty strong with that. It's it's not really until like the fourth film you, it really gets into the superpowered Jason. I mean, Jason doesn't even wear a hockey mask yeah, in the first. Two doesn't films. he go into space in one of them? Yeah, that's not until Jason Ten or Jason X, right. Jason in Space. Fantastic film, by the way. Right. Strongly enjoyed it. And then doesn't he fight Freddy Krueger? He does fight Freddy Krueger in space. No, no, they're back on Earth. Okay, pigs in space. We're not sure how he got back on Earth. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for all those Friday the Thirteenth movies. I think I've seen the last three in theaters. Wow. And whenever the next one comes out, I believe next year they're hoping to have a Friday the Thirteenth movie, oh, and they might even be trying to do a third or second reboot, third um, offering of Nightmare on Elm Street. They might recast the film. Oh, without Freddie, uh, without Pete, Robert Unglund. Yeah. Um, this movie, going back to spoil uh, Final Girls, I was a little creeped out by the striptease act of the mother. And the daughter, like the daughter standing in the doorway or sitting in the door because she's been wounded. And then the mother has to do the strip act to get to Billy summon. Murphy to, yeah, to summon the demon from the fog or whatever, the demon killer. But the whole time she's like looking at her, at her daughter. And it was just, it was kind of weird. Didn't notice her daughter. You didn't notice? I mean, they. She didn't know it. The, her character didn't know. Is still some girl. I mean, it's like. Yeah. They were like supposed to be friends. It would be like you doing a striptease for me to summon the demon. <laughs> you see that happen? Oh, that just <laughs> sounds horrible. I know. That's my point. Oh, it was, it was funny. <sighs> really? Because it wasn't being played for laughs. That really? that was, was that laughing. scene wasn't. You were laughing because you I were was kind laughing, of weird, but, but no. But it was also. I mean, the whole thing at that point is over the top it's melodrama i mean the sky is purple yeah <laughs> that's the terms of endearment part of the movie oh yeah and then the daughter Where she's sacrificing herself for her daughter Come yeah but on. then the daughter sliding on that's her, after her that knees i'm talking about before natu- billy murphy comes out of the fog it's like the slow music i, I think the last 15 minutes is just i mean over the top melodrama right. slow motion but i loved it it's a different kind of humor than what you get with the kurt character <laughs> when they're wrecking into the um to the i don't know the big sign or whatever out in front of the camp oh yeah and he's like no but hey we'll just pull over and make love make wild love in the forest <laughs> we're gonna get to a hotel and you and i are gonna make love i think if you uh stick around in your living rooms or if you get to see this in the movie theater you should at least sit through and watch the uh bloopers at the end they're pretty good People were saying that about Twenty Two Jump Street, and I didn't. It didn't do anything for me. But this movie was just the kind of bloopers that happen, sort of naturally. No one told you anything in the lead up to it, right? But I just did. But we're in spoilers, so it doesn't matter. Fair enough. No, I I enjoyed it. When the monster jumps out of the window on fire, and we get this nice wide shot of him flying through the air in a grand arc. But I was laughing. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I bet but, you it helped but, being able to build on the movie instead of me. I know, it. but I loved it, and I loved it in the same way. I loved a film that you hate the thought of and refuse to watch: Sucker Punch. I saw Sucker Punch. Oh, I thought you had still refused to watch it. No, I love there are shots in that film that are just so over the top and so ridiculous that I yeah. love when the girl 
is wearing a schoolgirl outfit and fighting a giant stone samurai. Yeah, I mean that's just backfl- to me it's stupid. But it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean the whole but, plot but, line on that was stupid. I did see it, but I still just love all that. Like here, I want to create these crazy images yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, put them yeah. on celluloid. Uh, this film did that. And yeah. I like it. I like Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch is a guilty pleasure of mine. All right. And I am a Zack Snyder apologist. Okay. So is he. Yeah. I, I, I still try and defend a Man of Steel. I know. Not very well. <laughs> that. I wonder if I was more shocked when we finished with that film. Because I turned to you like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and you're like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know if I'm that more was... shocked with that or with your reaction to Avatar. Because <laughs> You I didn't know to what look, to expect with Avatar with me. But with I was Avatar. real ha- I, I looked over, we were with Pete. Pete and I were both like, that was awesome. Right. And then looks over, where's Lusk? I've never had a worse movie going experience than that. That that was based solely on the movie and the presentation of the film. I've had worse movie going experiences in the last couple of weeks dealing with, you know, different types of things that are mm-hmm. just kind of strange and obnoxious. But in terms of the story and the presentation of the story, that was by far the bottom. Yeah, fair enough. So, there's a preview of the worst movies that we've ever seen together. All right, so us talking about two horror films, and next week we're doing two more? Or, we're doing no, one more. One more. Well, why would we be doing two? I didn't know if we wanted to do one of Guillermo del Toro's earlier films. Chrono? I tried to watch Mimic, and Mimic. it didn't do it for me. All right. Um, but it was in reference to some other movie. We're definitely going to try to see Crimson uh, Peak, but... Uh, my fiance's family is in from Mexico, huh. and it's going to be difficult for me to get away. Oh, I from think the it would be easy for you to want to get away. Well, no, because we we have other. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to get away, <laughs> but I don't know if I'll be able to get away. So, right. I'm gonna we're gonna have to table Crimson Peak for a time when we can both see it. If not, we'll definitely have a show ready for you guys, ready to go. We're looking at doing some other things, maybe a laugh classic mm-hmm. in the future. I wouldn't mind revisiting this uh, this genre genre of '80s uh, slasher films. All right, I'll set you up with a list of. No, I don't have to watch them. <laughs> I'll just give you my top five, and this is probably only five, which would also be my bottom five. Yeah. Uh, so we got some ideas out there. If you have any ideas for us on the Laugh Podcast, you can email us at thelaughpodcast at gmail dot com. And uh, you can also reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the laugh podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the laugh podcast. Any one of those places you can reach us. You can also email us uh, through our website, www.thelaughpodcast.com. And uh, I think we have a challenge going on right now, but I'm not sure if the, if it's been updated on there. I know I have star Wars and you have four of the movies (laughs) in terms of a box office challenge, but. Um, we're, are you ahead one and two in our box office challenges? I think you've won two. No. I've won one. Yes, I I've won two okay. if we go back. Yeah, yeah. And then also we have stuff coming on at the end of the year. We're, we're moving fast to our 100th show on the Laugh Podcast. So it's been pretty fun uh, examining these two movies with you, Mr. Uh, two Frames. I'm always up for a horror film. I've been looking forward to it. Okay, so you must know the character of Mordecai. Yeah. Mordecai. Mordecai. From Cabin in the Woods. I know Cabin in the Woods as well. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of 
Am I on speakerphone? Because that's just rude. <sighs> Mordecai from Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> Mr. Two Frames over there. Been a pleasure. I'm the L Train. Pox that bonum, everybody. There be dragons. That's a good quote. talk about whatever you want i'm saying i'm not even making a you're awfully defensive today mr two frames no, i'm not even making a commentary about you i'm just saying the 80s movies are generally b-level movies like the 80s slasher films are the oh. 80s and the, and the 80s action movies are b movies not b-level they're just b movies they're popcorn kind of movies all right like I there's mean, a difference the whole, between horror movies in general are b right but i tend to go more for like the shining and there's a big difference between The Shining and Sleepaway Camp. Oh, so Sleepaway Camp's famous. The girl's got... Dude, you just can ruin the movie that I told you I haven't seen. You've had 30 plus doesn't years. doesn't matter. There's still a... I, you knew... You're not going to watch the film. It is on my queue. It's not. It's fun. in my queue. You're, you would never watch it. It's 100 minutes. It's not good. You wouldn't watch it. Dude, you're the king of spoilers. You are the king of spoilers. You've spoiled three movies I haven't seen. What, what the was... girl has... <laughs> wow. Well, the Great Waldo Pepper. Probably the only movie of Robert Redford's that I haven't seen. I like Robert Redford. There's no reason for me to watch it now. I thought the you girl falls. read the William Goldman book on screenplay writing. I gave it to you. You had it for like four months, and then you That's gave no it defense. back to me. That's no defense. Uh, that's your story. There's a chapter in the book on that that's, movie. I didn't read the book. <laughs> you you borrowed the book from me for four months. I had your... Uh, how many years did I have that uh, that electronic... So basically uh, when you borrow stuff from me, you don't use it. <laughs> you just hold on to it. No, I use it. Of course I use it. I just don't read well. Since when did you watch slasher films from the 80s? The 80s? I grew up in the 80s, bull. I, was, I graduated in 1985. But you didn't watch Sleepaway Camp. I never saw Sleepaway Camp.